You are listening to the Galena Missions Podcast, the preaching ministry of Galena Bible Church. Follow along as we study God's Word together. If you have your Bible, join me in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. It'd be kind of weird if I preached some other place on a Christmas Sunday morning. Luke, chapter 2. We're going to be looking at um, verses 1 through 20. But I just want to begin with the uh, verses 17 and 18. Luke chapter 2, 17 and 18 says this, When they, the shepherds, had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this Christ. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Christmas is about wonder. Uh, even if you're not a Christian, that, that's the marketing component of Christmas, right? You, you want it to have this sense of awe and wonder. It's why when you watch Christmas movies, uh, when the little kids wake up and they're excited about the presents under the trees, but there's always, they look out the window and they see what? Freshly fallen snow, right? It's supposed to be about wonder. It's supposed to be about magic. It's supposed to be uh, about uh, the the wonder of family, the wonder of joy, the wonder of together, the wonder of all of those things. And it really is that. I mean, we uh, have all kind of tr- uh, Christmas traditions in the the cop household that have to be followed. It's not Christmas if those traditions are not followed exactly in the order that we set for all the kids when they were two, you know, uh, and it's because it does create that sense of wonder and yet the the challenge for us and even as I mentioned last night as we look at the Christmas story it does become one of those things we see every year we read it every year uh, and as much as we love it and as much as it is a part of the tradition uh, it does have a tendency to lose its sense of wonder its sense of awe it's not the Christmas story that we read in July and we're just like excited and we don't feel the same thing about it. And yet the reality of what the Christmas story is is something that is to be drawing on us a sense of awe and wonder um, because it ultimately leads us to the point of the cross. It leads us to the point of the resurrection and it leads us to the point of uh, the day in which we live, in which we live as individuals who have been forgiven, saved, redeemed, transformed in Jesus Christ. And so, this morning, very simply, uh, and hopefully your, your pastor is not going to be long-winded this morning, uh, I want us to not lose the wonder of the simplicity and incredible nature of the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 says, Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that, was, or that a census should be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. First, let us not lose wonder that God accomplishes all of His purposes through global world leaders who think they're just trying to get rich. Let us not lose the the fact that 
uh, in this instance, when Caesar Augustus was looking at his uh, Rome's bank account and looking at its cash revenue and looking at its GDP and going, we need to increase this. We need to be able to pay our armies more so we can conquer more and we can accomplish these things. And when he was thinking through all the nuances of that and thinking about we need to make sure we know exactly how many people live in our Roman colonies and provinces and those places so that we can tax them the way that we need to tax them so that we can plan our global strategy, so that we can do all of these kind of things. As he was thinking all of that, he was certainly not thinking that a teenage girl was going to need to travel to a very particular place, place that a Hebrew prophet had at one point in time prophesied that the Messiah that was promised thousands and thousands of years prior to, that that Messiah would be born in a particular place because... He was concerned about his taxes. When we think about the global situation in which we live, and we think about the craziness that is Putin, and we think about the uh, corruption that is the U.S. government, and we think about the geopolitical turmoil that exists in North Korea, and we think of all of those kind of things, and we feel like it's out of control, and God, there's no way you can accomplish your purposes. Let us not lose the wonder of the fact that God has already proved that He uses global leaders to accomplish very specific purposes in His redemptive plan. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David." Let us not lose the wonder of the fact that God keeps His covenant promises. Over a thousand years prior to this event, there was a man by the name of David. A man that the Scriptures describe as a man after God's own heart. And he was anointed as king over Israel and God made a covenant with David. And His covenant promise to him was that His Uh, his throne would endure forever. That of his lineage would sit a king who would rule forever. And we see that Joseph... Little old Joseph. You know, it's it's funny when you think of. I got uh, really into. Or I've been really into genealogy of my family. I've got um, a couple of line. I got one line traced all the way back to 1303, um, and finding out all of the. You know, because you always want to find out. You know what? You know what's your what's your ethnic mix? You know, or you got Lithuanian, or you got you know German, or whatever. I English. It, that's it. There. Like Great Britain, English Isle, England. Uh, if you want to know what an Anglo-Saxon looks like, this is it, right? Uh, and you know, when uh, there is one point of that that you're like, oh, cool, maybe I might find out that like there's a royal and like I'm, you know, I'm 477th in line for the king of England or something like that. Nope. It all goes back to John Carpenter and his dad was John Carpenter and his dad was John Carpenter and his dad... And you know why when you're in England and you get the last name of Carpenter or Smith or those things? You know why you get that? Because that's what you did. There, there wasn't no royal lineage line in that. But you think of Joseph. 
Joseph knew that his great, 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 great grandfather was King David. And yet, what was Joseph? Either a carpenter or a stonesmith. A very common person. Not somebody that you would think the one to sit on David's throne would come through. Let us not lose wonder in the fact that God did not forget His covenant promise. And as we think of the covenant that Jesus made for us when He held up that cup and said, this is the cup of the new covenant which is My blood poured out for you, let us not lose wonder in the fact that God keeps His covenant promises. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. Uh, birth, uh, unless you're on one of those crazy reality shows of, uh, what was it, uh, pregnant, didn't know it, you know, those ones where they find it, you know, like they think they're just having stomach cramps and they go in the bathroom and all of a sudden they deliver a baby and it's just going like, that's weird, you know. Because I was there for four of them and you kind of knew things were happening all the way up to the point, you know, like things were just odd. Uh, this was an anticipated reality for Mary. This is her firstborn son, which makes it all the more. She didn't know, you know. You, you have the idea of it, but until, ladies, you go through it your first time, you don't know. You have no idea what it's going to be like. In the anticipated, let us not lose the wonder of the anticipation that was. There was when the angel appeared to Mary and told her the story of what was going to happen, that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you shall bear a son. That there was in her heart, as we read, a sense of anticipation. There was a great joy that was in it. Let us not lose wonder in the fact that the anticipation of Christ, the Christ that would come, was epitomized in the person of Mary as she awaited that moment. Again, as we said, the, uh, oftentimes the movie depictions and the, the uh, nativity depictions don't portray it correctly because as you noticed in it as, as you were reading it there, it says, while they were there... The days were completed for her to give birth. This was not, uh, she wasn't going into labor pains as she was riding the donkey into there. She had probably been there a little bit. And it turned about that it was time for her to give birth. Let us not lose wonder in the anticipation of that. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths, and she laid him in a manger because there was no room for them. In the end, let us not lose wonder in the humble birth of our Messiah. When we think of leaders, leadership is almost always first defined as power. And yet, the leader that made all things was born in humble circumstances. 
again, this, the depiction of the birth of Jesus when it describes that He was born and laid in a manger because there was no room for Him in an inn. When we think of the terminology of an inn, it's not like a Motel 6 or a Sheraton or something along those lines. Uh, it was the res- residing place of where the people would live. And sometimes it would be that there would be a house and then there would be a hill that was cut out and they would have kind of a, a cave type situation for their uh, for their livestock. Other times the the place where the manger was, the place where you would keep your livestock was literally in the center of the house. There was an open roof and the house would be built around it and they would be in that place. It is very much unlikely that Mary and Joseph delivered Jesus by themselves. Again, all of Joseph's family had to go to Bethlehem to be registered there. All of the family was there, but what was certainly true about this is it was so jam-packed in this place that there was no privacy in the nature of this that she gave birth in the middle of everything that was going on and the only place they could find to put the new baby was in the food trough because that was all the space that was available. When the God of the universe, think about the, the newest pictures that the James Webb telescope have given us of pictures that we used to look at from the Hubble telescope and be like, wow, these are beautiful, this is incredible, this is magnificent. And then the James Webb uh, tele- or, um, satellite picture took new pictures of those things and we were like, it was like we never actually could see it. They're just so magnificent, so incredible, so clear, so crisp. And all of that was made by Him and for Him to declare the glory of Jesus. And that Jesus was born and laid in a food trough and wrapped in the cheapest wrappings it could be. Let us not lose wonder in the fact that our God did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own, uh, his own advantage, as Paul said in Philippians. In that same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord st- uh, suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened, or they feared a great fear. Let us not lose wonder in the fact that God cares deeply about common people. God's not interested in the celebrity any more than He's interested in the homeless bum or the Down syndrome individual. Shell and I were having a discussion, I think yesterday, about if if the, the, the events of the birth of Jesus were to take place today, who would be the equivalent that the, that the angels would come to? Who would they be that they would declare this glory to and that society would look on and go like, you went and told them? And I really do think it probably would have been the physically disabled amongst us. It was like if the angels appeared to a, a, a disabled home of individuals that society really could care less about. These shepherds who 
because of the nature of their job, were necessary for the worship in the temple, as we looked at last night, that they were necessary to make sure that the lambs were without spot and blemish so that they would be good for sacrifice, so that the Jewish system would be able to happen. But by nature of their job, they could not observe the kosher laws so that they themselves were ceremonially pure. And so those that they provided the service for looked down upon them even though they needed them. Maybe Jesus might appear today to the wait staff at the restaurant or the oriental ladies that are in the nail salon that everybody goes to to get their nails done before the big event. If you don't hold those individuals in high esteem, but you need their service, you need what they do. God declared the coming of Jesus to such as these. Let us not lose wonder in God's love for the common people. That you don't have to be known for God to know you. An angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The first declaration of the Gospel of Jesus Christ upon the earth was upon the lips of an angel. And when we think of angels... We think of, well, all, all kinds of depictions, right? We think of the little cute, fat, chubby cherubs, you know, that make nice Christmas decorations. Uh, or we think of, um, uh, you know, the, the depictions from the Middle Ages of, uh, you know, like warrior, you know, big, strong, you know, Bohemian Norwegian guys with wings, you know, flaming swords and that kind of thing. The word angel literally means messenger heralds of God. And the first declaration of the good news of Jesus Christ when Jesus had been born on this earth came from the lips of an angel. I have to think that there was, if if angels can experience some level of emotion, that had to have been an emotional moment. That they were made for the glory of God, to herald, to speak the truth of God's glory. They're created being. God made them. And He made them for His purposes, with being, with personhood, with distinctiveness to them, as the Scriptures describe them there. And of what we know about them, this is a culminating moment that they show up in the life of Jesus again and again and again in very key and pivotal moments to serve and minister and herald this truth. Let us not lose fact that when Jesus was, when the King of the universe was declared into the world, He was declared into the world with the Gospel. That for this day in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. 
the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the One whose God's presence is upon, the One who represents God, the One who has been called for. But not just that, that He's a ruler and a reigner, you know, reigns and He's powerful in all these things. He is a Savior. And if He is a Savior, then it awakens in us the reality that there's something that we have to be saved from. And we lose the wonder of Christ if we forget the reality that we needed saving. That God loved us enough to save us from our own self-destruction. Don't lose the wonder this Christmas of the Gospel. That God loves you, cares for you, that you have value and worth, and that you have that by nature of who you are, but more importantly because of who Christ is and what Christ has done for you, that unto you has been born the Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among men with whom He is pleased. Let us not lose wonder in worship. Sometimes worship is a fight. It's a fight for joy. It's a fight against distraction. It's a fight to pay attention to what we're saying. It's a a fight to pay attention to what we're believing. Oftentimes worship is not spontaneous. We want it to be. We want it to be this, you know, I to sing the songs and all of a sudden my heart is enriched and I'm enjoyed and I'm and I'm flourishing in it and I'm pursuing it and I'm just all into everything that's there. But oftentimes we have to work a little bit more hard at it. Honestly, it's kind of like romance. We always want romance to be one of those things that just sparks and it happens and it's just, you know, it's, it's like the first time, uh, first time you fall in love, the first time you kiss, the first time, all of those things and it's just everything's wonderful and wow and great and all those kind of things. And then time goes on and you realize like we have to plan romance. We have to schedule it. Worship sometimes feels like that But let me remind you, remind us, to not lose the wonder of the fact that we get to worship. We get to do it. And the reason we get to do it is because Christ came and awakened in us the realness of the world. He awakened to us the the state in which the world lives. Uh, one theologian that I uh, really value as he writes on the subject of missions. He says this, he said, uh, missions exists where worship doesn't. Missions exists where worship doesn't. And the reason for that is in the dynamic of that People live their life as though they don't know that there's something this great that they ought to worship. Now mind you, this doesn't mean that people don't worship. We're worship factories. 
Dr. Timothy Keller, another theologian I enjoy, he says he describes us. He says we are idol factories. We we just manufacture things to worship. We put people on that pedestal. We put position on that pedestal. We put desire on that pedestal. We put pleasure on that pedestal. We we put relationships on that pedestal. We we produce things continually to worship. And all of those things, they're just dead stone idols. Not truly worthy of our worship. And in the declaration that this will be the sign for you, a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, this is a Savior that has been born to you. It's as if heaven can't help but say, He's here! In joy and gratitude and worship. It was kind of like this morning with Evelyn's gift to Clint. Our kids exchange gifts to each other. They draw names so they don't buy for everybody, you know, and they exchange gifts and uh, and we do that. And Evelyn had Clint. And she has been dying to tell him what her gift was. Just dying. And so when it came time for him to open it, she hands him the thing and he opens, you know, pulls the bag apart because we're lazy and we've just been collecting Amazon bags as those come in there and shove it in there and pull the drawstring and we're done. It's great. He opens it up. He pulls out the t-shirt that she got him. I think it's still even in the plastic packaging. Hasn't had a chance to look at it. Has it? And it literally like it bursts out of her. She says, it's a bacon t-shirt. <laughs> like just a bacon swimming shirt. Like I just can't help it. Oh, it's got it's to gotta tell you. And as I was sitting there watching that, we just had a huge laugh. It is just so great. And I was like, that's got to be what the angels were doing, right? It says, and suddenly there appeared with the angels a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest we've ever since we were made. This has been the promise of God. And He's here. It's culmination. God in the flesh. God's here. We've seen His glory. We've stood in His presence. We have basked in the magnificent splendor of His glory. He's here. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men with whom He is pleased. And oftentimes I sing the songs and I just sing the songs. And I lose the wonder of the fact of who it is that we get to sing the songs to. Don't lose the wonder of worship. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. I mean, there's got to be question mark. Like, I can't wait to meet these guys one day in glory. Be like, what were you like? What was your first thought after that? Like, did you know? It says, uh, and when they'd gone away, it, you know, they they appeared suddenly. I have to imagine it was like they they did. You know, the chorus happens. It's just magnificent and wonderful. And boom, gone. And the guys have to just be kind of looking at each other. Like, did that really just happen? we got to go right now, right? I mean, there, there was no like, well, you know, I mean, maybe a week from Thursday, we'll have some time, you know, that we'll get, you know, Bob is going to be able to come over the hill and he'll be able to watch the sheep or what. Mm-mm. Right now, we got to go 
Go see this thing that God told us about. So they came in a hurry and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. That had to have been a weird moment, huh? They round the corner and there he is. Chaos of everything going around. People packed into this little bitty town there so they could be there for the census. Chaos is going around and the first they walk in and everybody's looking at why are are there a bunch of shepherds here? They're not clean. They've been sleeping out in the field. They're not ceremonially clean, right? These are guys that came in from a week and a half out at moose camp, you know? And they're on, they bomb into there. And the first thing they do is they make a beeline over and they see this young, maybe 16-year-old girl tending, they're sitting next to a uh, a manger. And there's the baby. And there's Joseph. And it's just as they were told. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been made, which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. I bet she did. The word used there for treasure, it's, it's a, a it picture's treasure, but it's treasure locked. It's a buried treasure. It, it's one that I'm saying, this is mine. It, it's such a deep thing within her it's not this treasure is not one that you're sharing out. This is one that you are keeping all to yourself. And this is not in a bad sense. This is an absolutely in the sense of like this truth is beautiful and it's mine. It's for me. It's the truth of of what what has been given to me in this moment. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as they had been. Told. Wonder. Amazement. Glory. Fascination. The good news of Jesus Christ. God's feet touched this earth. His lungs took in the air that He had made. His skin felt the roughness of hay He caused to grow. His ears heard the bleeding of animals. His eyes saw the movement of people. And God, all-powerful, all-glorious, all-knowing, all-control, God, was the most helpless being that you can be. A newborn infant. Remember, I mean, growing up, you know, there was there were babies around at church and things like that. And I, you know, held the, it wasn't until really until I, I became a dad that I held that little of a baby, right? When I held Preston, when I held Clint, when I held Kara, when I held Evelyn, and just everything small. 
Everything is fragile. First time you go to clip their fingernails and you're just like, I'm going to take a whole finger off. You know what I mean? Like it just, I don't know, how, how do I do this? And the fullness of God. And seven and a half pounds. And this was God's will. This was God's delight. For His glory. And for your and my salvation. Dear friends, as we think of this so familiar story, don't lose the wonder. Treasure these things in your heart. Remember this gospel truth. Remember this worship experience. Remember that God knows you. Remember that the chaos of this crazy world of world leaders that are just nuts. The heart of a king is like a stream in the hand of God that He directs as He pleases. The Christmas story reminds us of these truths. And I hope... I hope it causes you to be in wonder of the goodness of our God this Christmas. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for Christmas. We're so thankful for the the truth of all of this. And Holy Spirit, we ask that You would give us a sense of wonder. That this Christmas story, it's it's not just a story. It's not like the Peanuts cartoon Christmas or it's not like the Polar Express or any other myriad of Christmas stories that become a part of the tradition of the magic of Christmas around us. No, this is a story that is real. It happened. And help us, Lord, to be in wonder of the implications of what it means for our lives. King Jesus, we are so grateful for the life that You lived on this earth and we await the day when we shall see You in the flesh again. We pray with the saints of the ages and across the world, even so now, come Lord Jesus. Help us to celebrate that second Advent with the wonder that we have at the first. We love you. It's your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope you've been blessed by the hearing of God's Word. Feel free to connect with us at www.galenabiblechurchak.com and subscribe to this podcast at iTunes or at galenamissions.podbean.com.